Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 36. On this episode, Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing discusses the markets heading into the end of 2017 and what the first part of 2018 will look like. Chip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again, Casey. Ah, man, appreciate it. So, we got, it looks like, a lot of stuff going on um, here of late. You know, harvest seems to be like it's finally done. I didn't think it was ever going to end. And um, so, we got that kind of behind us now, and everybody now is counting... Uh, counting their beans and looking how full their bins are so what's happening with corn right now and soybeans and, and wheat and what, what's the market look like going into the end of the year well the, the corn and the wheat market have been struggling in here um, that last uh, USDA report um, about I guess almost uh, three weeks ago now didn't do us any favors when they raised up corn yields to a new record high uh, that was even higher than the, the highest estimate um, so that didn't do the corn market any favors. We got a, a report here earlier this week uh, from uh, Stash Canada about their wheat crop, and it was a little bit bigger than expected, uh, I think by about 3 million metric tons. So we're, that's, that's going to be the thing that we fight going forward, and we have been for a while. Large stocks of wheat in the world, we've talked about that before, a big corn crop here. Um, you know, the good news is on the corn side and the bean side, um, is pretty strong demand right now. So we're swallowing up a lot of this crop, um, but that's kind of uh, the, the thing that's really uh, a little bit of a, of a wind uh, in our face right now in the corn and the wheat market is we're, we need to, um, you know, get rid of some of these big stockpiles, and, um, you know, that's going to take a while to do, and uh, we're going to need some sort of a spark going forward, which could be South American weather. That could be something the next 60 days that, could spark us and, and get, um, you know, get us turned higher out of this trading range. Um, but uh, unfortunately, going into the year end, it's all about, um, you know, not much news. The trading volume uh, is a little bit quieter here for the next two, three weeks. Um, but kind of all eyes are on the weather forecast in South America right now. So with the uh, weather situation like it is in South America, moving into the uh, La Nina phase of things getting drier, what kind of effect do you think that will have long-term? I mean, are they seeing enough dryness now in, in, their, in what's going on down there that it's going to have an immediate effect, or do you think it's just kind of a wait-and-see type of scenario? Yeah, I think right now it's wait-and-see. I mean, like you, you hit the nail on the head, it's definitely a La Nina. Uh, there's no question about that. That would um, historically tell you that they're going to trend warmer and drier than average into their growing season, which like their summer is kind of January, February, the main part of their growing season. Uh, it's not everywhere yet. In the northern part of Brazil, where they raise uh, just roughly half the beans uh, in the country of Brazil, has been getting pretty good rains. The southern half of Brazil, where they raise a lot of beans, they also raise a lot of second crop corn there. And most of Argentina have been trending uh, well below average rainfall and pretty warm, you know, up in the uh, north of 90 degrees. So I think it's, um, you, you got to wait and see. So far, um, that trend has been warmer, drier, but it's kind of the equivalent of, um, you know, generally like a late May, early June there. Um, and I think you need three or four more weeks um, to under our belts here. If they're still fighting that you know, say mid-January, and they haven't had much more rain, and they still have a two-week forecast that's dry on in the end of January, uh, it's, it will really start affecting potentially their, their actual yield. Right now, it's just a scare, but, you know, <laughs> we've kind of tricked this market for two or three years uh, with some, 
some weather problems here and there that really didn't amount to much or seemed like it affected yield. And so it could take the market um, by surprise if it continues. So right now it's just, hey, the market's kind of got one eye on it, looking and, and kind of saying, all right, we, got, we, we don't have a problem yet. It's not going great down there. Uh, we'll check this out in a couple weeks. And if they still haven't got rain and, it's, and there's no rain in the forecast, then they might be developing into a real issue. So things could change pretty quickly, although there's not, you know, it's winter here, it's getting colder and snow's going to start flying. It's really kind of back into a weather market. So that could be something, especially in beans, that would spill over to corn could really give us uh, a lot more volatility than what these markets have been used to the last uh, couple of months here. Export market-wise, every time I flip through Twitter, it seems like China has talked about some big export move they're making. Um, talk a little bit about that and, and where you see that headed. Yeah, obviously they're a, the, the big buyer, uh, the big dog in town on, as far as beans go. And um, so they take uh, roughly 50% of our beans. This week in particular, we bounced back. Um, uh, we're a little bit disappointing export sales last week in beans. But this week, we made up for it. We had a massive number, over 2 million metric tons. So uh, that's a big, big number. And they're going to continue to, to uh, ramp up and, and take beans. The, the good news there on the export side is basis levels in South America have been increasing. So we're a little more competitive now. What that means is that uh, there's probably less, uh, fewer supplies out of Brazil um, as they kind of get cleaned up from their old crop stuff. Um, and so we may have the advantage here until they get new crop supplies available in February and March. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, there's some talk on the corn side. Uh, they haven't done anything yet, but uh, here uh, a few weeks ago, China put out kind of their long-term strategy uh, for ethanol. They want to ramp up ethanol production internally in China over the next several years. And the numbers right now would suggest if they can hit the production on ethanol that they want, that they can't raise enough of that. They've been pretty good buyers recently of U.S. sorghum. There's been rumors that they've been picking around slowly, quietly buying U.S. corn, but there's no confirmation of that yet. So that could be something to watch, too, that could change this market in corn if they decide, hey, corn's cheap enough. And we're just going to start, um, you know, stepping up to the table and buying some and importing some corn. I don't know if that's this year or if that might be down the road, like next summer, next fall. Uh, but that's something to watch that could change the name of the game uh, in corn uh, as well. And they continue to be just a massive buyer of, of uh, both U.S. and South American beans. Essentially, they take half our crop of beans and half of uh, Brazil's uh, bean production and uh, that's a large amount, so that's going to continue on into the future on the bean side. Yeah, so I was reading an article about that uh, the other day, and, and have they had any kind of talk where they were just going to buy refined ethanol and bring that over to China, or were they looking more at just buying the corn and then doing it on their own? Well, there's hope uh, for sure doing it on their own. That, that's one of their uh, goals is they want to ramp up in the, the internal production there to do it on their own. But there's also some talk um, about maybe um, importing some ethanol as well. And I think we've gone a long way towards opening up some markets um, to, to U.S. exports of ethanol in Asia, particularly uh, Taiwan, um, South Korea. You know, that could be a big deal if China decides, hey, we're going to kind of supplement our own production with some imports. 
Um, we'd be in good position to do that. We're cranking along. That's a bright spot of corn demand right now, and it has been for months and months, uh, is, is ethanol. I mean, with cheap corn prices and crude oil up near 60 bucks, these ethanol uh, plants um, are really making a good amount of money, and they're grinding a lot of corn. And that's the bright spot uh, in, in corn demand. We're actually oh, 25 to 50 million bushels above projection on, um, on, on ethanol usage domestically. So that's a good sign. So, yeah, you're right. And, and, and that's, there's some things to be, um, I guess, hopeful on in corn in the long haul. I don't know if, though, if China will ever import U.S. ethanol. Uh, how soon they will, if they'll get back to importing U.S. corn, and how soon. But, um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and you put, put the pencil to it with what they say they want to do internally in China, and it's almost like, well, th- right now, without vast improvements in their agricultural production, they can't grow enough to sustain, you know, the demand machine they're going to build. Um, now, that's, again, you don't just turn the key and, you know, ramp up that much ethanol. It's going to take several years for them to do that. Um, you know, probably three to five to get a, you know, each year and quarter to fix our supplement their demand or both, uh, importing that. That's something to be, uh, I guess, hopeful of in the future for corn. Um, you just don't know when, you know, it won't be an overnight turn in the market, but it's definitely supportive, um, over the big picture in the long haul. Yeah. The article I read, it said some big astronomical number, like a, a billion bushels or something like that. China needs to import to meet their 2020 mandate, and as far as ethanol goes, so that's a that's a large amount of of corn that they have to get from someplace. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's a world market, so we're going to be competing with Brazil. We're going to be competing with uh, you know the Ukraine and Black Sea areas. Um, but it's a good thing. I mean, uh, that with big world stocks, that's what you need. You either need to cut back on production, which we may be in the process of doing with lower acres. Um, worldwide and or increasing demand. So if you can get the combination of both of those uh, together at some point, you can spark a nice rally and talk about, you know, kind of getting uh, getting out of the, the dumps that we're in right now price-wise on corn. Let's talk about the soybean market for a minute. So what's happening there? And, and it seems like that is just a, a constant demand of soybeans uh, just are just there all the time and but it's not reflecting in the price obviously it's a world market now and it's getting to be bigger and bigger than it's been in the past but where do you see the uh, soybean market headed and and what's kind of on the horizon and that could be some some booms for uh for that marketplace yeah the, well like we mentioned before the biggest thing is uh, south american weather uh here over the next six eight weeks um because that's really going to be the fine line of, well, we know we had a pretty big crop here. South America on their old crop had a big, a big crop and they've got a few supplies left to put out. But if, um, weather continues dry in Argentina and Southern Brazil and you're going to cut their production, that makes, um, you know, our beans, um, more expensive. So I think you could see a lot more volatility than you've seen going forward here, uh, in the beans, um, over the next several weeks, at least into the mid to end January. Uh, as we're talking right now, uh, January bean futures are trading about 990. They had a high this week up near 1020. They've had a recent low down near about 975. So that kind of seems to be the range. Um, I, I'd like to see, um, you know, really this, this 985 area, but for sure 975 hold on the downside. And if you get back up to that 1020 and you close north of there, it probably means that the weather forecast is getting worse for Argentina and that we may have 
to push this market, uh, you know, maybe up north of 10 and a half. And if it gets bad enough, we could challenge $11. Um, but I think, you you know, you can't put your head in the sand here. Things are going to get much more volatile uh, into the end of, the, of January over the next uh, five, six weeks. Based on that weather forecast, it changes on a daily basis, you know, we, which is always frustrating because each new weather model that comes out about every four to six hours, um, you know, they add rain, they take rain away, and the, and the bean market just hangs on that. So we're going to see a lot of choppy trade. Um, the demand's so big, we need every bushel out there. And, um, you know, if there is some sort of a shortfall, uh, it doesn't even have to be that big of a, of a problem. If they're just, you know, down, uh, you know, 3%, 5% from where they were a year ago uh, on South American production, it's going to have a dramatic effect on uh, our bean prices. So it's uh, definitely something that's going to increase the volatility here in the next few weeks. So what do you see happening in, in the livestock market right now, especially on the cattle end of the business? What do you, where do you see that going, and what are some drivers there that are going to guys need to pay attention to? Yeah, we've been fighting um, bigger numbers for about the last five, six months uh, as far as placement numbers and on-feed numbers. Uh, so there's, there's um, uh, you know, a, a pretty good supply of cattle out there and, and it has increased. But I think with that, the demand has been really good, too. Now, we've just seen prices kind of come off the highs and have a pretty good break, um, kind of trading in the one, uh, I think, 117 range cash. Um, typically, seasonally, you would think that the next uh, two, three weeks here, going into the end of the year um, and the first part of the new year, that we can bottom this market. And then it becomes more about weather, um, you know, what are temperatures, are we going to fight any major winter storms and sloppy feeding conditions, um, uh, you know, where cattle won't gain and, and we got to pour more feed to them. Uh, and, and then we rally typically during that time frame. So I think you could see maybe a little more downside, um, you know, maybe get these February cattle, uh, which ended uh, just above 118 today for the week. Um, you know, maybe two more bucks, uh, you know, one, one fifteen and a half, one sixteen. I think could probably catch it. Um, and, and then I think uh, things look better out into, um, late winter, early spring, but as a producer, we got pretty cheap feed right now. Corn's cheap. Um, you know, you got to take a look. And if we get back up, I'll uh, say, uh, in the upper one twenties or low one thirties versus April live cattle, yeah, that's good money back then, and, and uh, almost any feeder that's been placed is going to be pretty profitable. There, I still think that's doable. It may be later in the winter. Uh, so in a nutshell, maybe a little more weakness in the short run, uh, but we should start supporting here going into the end of the year and maybe have uh, a nice rally attempt into, um, you know, say, uh, uh, February, March, April time frame. So what's it, what's it going to look like in uh, December here when the when the Fed meets? I don't know if they've met yet or not. I'm trying to remember through my notes here. But looks like they were talking about doing another interest rate hike. How do you think that's going to affect the market? And how is that going to um, – obviously, it'll, it'll, it'll affect the dollar um, in a downward direction, which is positive for exports. But So how does that look and what do you think that how that's going to play out? Yeah, that's always going to be something there outside of, uh, you know, weather and grain production. These financial markets are going to spill over at times and, and affect our grain and livestock markets. Um, you know, I think the expectation is for the, for the Fed to continue to slowly uh, raise interest rates a couple times um, uh, in, in calendar year 18. I think that's kind of ex 
expected, maybe built in here. Uh, but you got some other world things going on too. You, you've got uh, you know some things happening in in uh, Japan um, internally. You've had some big currency moves there. Some stuff going on uh, in the European Union, and still you know talks over you know how this uh, Brexit thing is going to uh, fully uh, happen and be implemented. Um, obviously, you've got uh, always it seems like continual problems in the in the Middle East uh, that affect the energy markets. And then this whole North Korean issue that uh, probably won't go away anytime soon. And what that means is we're going to probably continue to have some pretty volatile uh, currency moves, you know, which affects the dollar, uh, possibly some interest rate moves. It seems like the stock market, uh, you know, just is on a pretty straight up trajectory. Um, I, I wouldn't think it's impossible to call a top in the stock market, but I think that the pace, you know, we've been going up since the uh, the bottom in, you know, late 08, early 09 of the financial crisis, but it seems like the rate we're going up, the trend is accelerating, and we're going straight up now, and that's typically not sustainable. It can go quite a ways further to the upside, but the rate that we're going up isn't sustainable, and it's going to mean that there's a bigger break, uh, probably a pretty healthy break at some point, from what level is impossible to tell. But we kind of need that. Um, you know, I, it, you don't want to wish ill will on anyone or, uh, you know, hope for anybody to lose money in the stock market. <clears throat> but if we could see a healthy correction at some point in the stock market, it might bring a little bit of money flow out of stocks uh, and into commodities and, and maybe uh, give us a little bit of an inflationary pressure. If that's at the same time the Fed's, um, uh, you know, raising rates or there's a dollar move, that could exaggerate it. So we kind of need to a little bit of an inflationary spark, um, and possibly if we could get a correction in the stock market in the first half of 18, that uh, maybe that could be the start of something and, and some money flowing into commodities too. So outline market pressures. What do you see, you know, oil and, and those kind of things? How, how are they trending, and are they going to continue to trend in a – seems like they're in a positive manner. It seems like they're they're – the price of oil is getting stronger every day. You know, granted it has its ups and downs, but how do you feel about about that marketplace and and how are they affecting the uh, the overall marketplace? Yeah, oil has been on a nice uptrend for a few months here. Um, it's it's taken a little bit of a pause near this sixty dollar range. We backed off a little bit, trading just under uh, oh, we're trading about fifty seven and a half right now as we speak. Um, kind of a big a big challenge area. Um, is that 60 to 62 dollar range? So if we could ever um, see the market get, um, you know, close nicely above, um, say about that uh, 60, 61 dollar range, you could maybe have people saying, "Hey, we could challenge uh, 70 bucks." So I think where we're at right now, if we can just maintain here at 55 to 60 dollars, I think that's uh, bodes well for ethanol demand. Um, uh, you know, and, and uh, ethanol grinders profitability. So that's good for for corn demand, but if you would see a spike, whether that's something with North Korea or flare up in the Middle East, and you spike uh, crude oil up to $65, $70 range, um, you know, that's going to have kind of, uh, maybe that's a part of that inflationary spark uh, I spoke about earlier. Uh, again, remains to be seen, but right now, uh, nice uptrend. You know, the old saying is, the trend's your friend. We have had a, I don't know, 3 $4 back off the last couple weeks in, in, from the highs, but we haven't really damaged anything, and no market goes straight up, so it's probably healthy. So I would say this market, um, as long as it can kind of hold above uh, the $55 barrel range, 
Um, it probably has uh, the path of least resistance for higher, and the higher it gets over uh, 60, the, I think the more that starts supporting our commodities, um, both from a, you know ethanol, biodiesel usage standpoint, and just kind of a general inflationary uh, spark potentially. All right, Chip. So, <clears throat> kind of the focus of my my last couple podcasts have been what's what's happened in 2017, and you know some lessons learned, maybe uh, maybe how that's going to shape some decision making into 2018. So, with with what you do and the customers that you have, maybe what are some of the lessons that that you you learned, and maybe something that your customers have have talked to you about that is shaping their decision making going into 18. Yeah, I think a couple things, um, you know, not to at the risk of kind of talking on both sides of my mouth. So one thing I kind of learned, man, we can raise corn and, and beans, and, and you can throw a lot at these uh, crops anymore and hybrids and with the farming practices we have, the hybrids and seed quality. Uh, we can really raise, raise corn and beans both, and even wheat. Um, so that's the one thing, and what that tells me is, Hey, yeah, you could still hurt these uh, crops because on the one argument, we had about six things go right this year, weather-wise and condition-wise, that helped us out. And I don't know if you could string those five or six variables every year, but we had a lot go right to help us out. Yes, you can hurt these crops, but um, maybe the bottom end of what our expectations are um, should be raised a little bit. And and that's good because we kind of know, along with crop insurance, what the worst case is. And it just reiterates, uh, and I kind of preach this all the time, um, but this year really kind of hit home. Um, even right now, uh, you know, you got to have a plan, and that plan needs to change through the season with what you're seeing individually on yields and growing conditions. And I'll give you an example of this. So a lot of producers we had um, in, in June and July, where it was a lot of areas coming off the latest planted crop ever, the most replant ever. It got hot and dry then in, in June and July in some areas. And there's no producer that we talked to almost anywhere that told us in, in June and July, yeah, I've got, I've got record yield potential or even APH yield potential based on the planning dates and the conditions. At that point in time, they said, hey, we, we're probably looking at something like 10 to 20 bushels below our APH crop insurance. Well, the high in July for December corn futures was 417 and a quarter. So if you take um, just a gross dollar back of the envelope calculation and say, all right, I'm 20 bushels behind my APH at 417, here's my gross dollar number. Well, fast forward. Now, in a lot of cases, uh, producers ended up 30 to 50 bushels better than where they expected in June and July on final corn yields. So even though prices are down, you look at this market and say, well, we've got good carry built into the futures market. So if we can store crop out into spring and summer with extra yield, now I've got actually more gross revenue now knowing that prices are lower and with good carry in the market and, and better yields than what I would have had back in June and July on my expectations then. So my point is you got to have a plan and the plan has to change with conditions in the market and it has to kind of go back to gross revenue. And we, when we can look at gross revenue, whether that, any, I think you got to look at the combination, corn, beans, wheat, whatever um, you produce on your farm, look at that gross dollar um, level. And, you know, like right now for, for next year, well, we, we had a chance earlier this week at the 1020 November 18 beans. We sold a little bit of that. 
Um, when you can talk about, you know, $600 plus an acre gross revenue on beans, that's well above the cost and likely well profitable. Um, start there. And, and if you're wrong on beans and a dollar early, it's going to drag over to corn and then give you the gross revenue you need on corn. So, you know, going back, yeah, man, we can produce crops. Um, but I don't think you can, I think it's a, a bad assumption. What I hear a lot of people saying is never. And when I hear never, we're never going to raise the crop sub 170 nationally again. We're never going to see corn over $4. When I start hearing never, my brain uh, starts flashing warning signals that, hey, it's about time that never is going to happen and surprise people. So we can hurt yields, um, but you've got to have a plan, and that plan has to be revolving around uh, gross revenue. I think this year was a great example of that. And when you focus on that, it helps take a little of the emotion out um, uh, of the equation uh, as well when you're looking at gross dollars instead of, uh-oh, corn's up 10, down 10, beans are up 20, down 20. That gets emotional. When you have a plan and, and focus on gross revenue, gross dollars per acre, and knowing what your cost is, um, that turns it into a business decision rather than an emotional decision. And I think that's the, you know, uh, we all know that, but I think this year it was a good, a good example of that. And, and also that it's, it's, a, it's more than ever a world market. It's not just what's happening um, weather-wise and production-wise in the, in the Corn Belt and the Midwest. It's, uh, you know, Brazil, it's Russia, Ukraine, Europe, China. It's, it's the financial markets, interest rates, currencies, it's truly a world market, and, uh, you know, that's, that's hard to manage at times as well, but it still gives you opportunities through volatility as long as you have a plan. Well, you have any, uh, any last thoughts before we close it down? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, uh, again, it's, um, it's, it's easy to get caught up in, uh, we got, you know, new contract lows in wheat and corn's down near the lows and, um, but I think there are some things to be hopeful of uh, going into the, the calendar year 18. Um, like we talked about some of the demand issues and the, and the Chinese uh, ethanol program they've got going on. So long term, I mean, I, I think we're in for good, good things in agriculture on the, on the row crop side, on the, on the livestock side um, generally. But, you know, the next uh, six to 12 months, there's definitely going to be some turbulence and, and uh, stormy weather out there, we just got to get through that. So I, I'm hopeful that uh, 2018 is going to give us some uh, some better opportunities. Most producers were blessed with, uh, you know, really really good yields this year, and uh, maybe not quite the price we need to uh, to break even on on corn, but but close with extra yield. And, and most producers able to make good money on beans and uh, kind of hold things together a little bit and at least go sideways without taking huge huge losses here all right chip so we've got uh one last question here before we shut down i'm at the crop report coming out next week and then you got the january crop report coming up how do you think those are going to play out and how those are going to affect the marketplace yeah generally the december crop report which comes out next uh next tuesday morning isn't a big deal uh, because they don't give us an update of yields They'll make any small demand tweaks that they need to. They'll update some world numbers. So generally speaking, um, historically, the December crop report isn't a big deal. But uh, in uh, six weeks here, the January crop report, 
is, however, and uh, that's where they'll give us our final yield number, any demand projections, maybe um, uh, acreage tweaks. So that January crop report, I believe it comes out on the 12th, uh, could be a, a potential market mover. And I think another important thing here, uh, as you look out into next year too, not really crop report related, but this corn bean ratio, you know, by the time the January crop report comes around here in a few weeks, the market's going to be looking ahead to what could our acreage mix be coming into spring. And right now it's way in favor of, uh, of more bean acres and less corn acres. Uh, there, there's other things around that just in price. I realize rotation and, and, you know, harvest issues and stuff like that. But just from a price level, it's way in favor of beans. And so that's going to be something the market uh, by January. And, and as soon as that January crop report comes out, the market kind of says, all right, now we know exactly what old crop was. We know what the acres and production and yield was. Now what's it look like going forward? And they'll start focusing on new crop after that. So you've got a couple important crop reports coming out, the January one especially, and then that will kind of officially turn us to, all right, what's acreage going to be and, um, you know, what's demand look like out in the next year. So it's kind of that transition time frame the next five or six weeks as we turn the calendar to the new year as well. So you have uh, then the October crop report. It was had it at once, or was it November? November's crop report had it at one seventy five point four bushels per acre for corn. You think that's going to go up any yes. in January? Well, I think that's maybe something that the markets uh, were getting held back a little bit already in the market. Yeah, historically, oh, that trend has been for higher yields all along. They say big crops get bigger. Um, I got to believe they're pretty close. Could it go up just a little more? Maybe. Um, I'm still uh, maybe in the camp on beans that um, I don't know that bean yields have to go up a lot more. And in fact, it, it wouldn't shock me if they don't cut it just a little bit in beans. Um, but I think if as long as it's, you know, in corn, a half a bushel increase, uh, half a bushel decrease, I think that's pretty well dialed in. If they bump it up two bushels, yeah, that's going to be an issue. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see what uh, what they tell us in January. But that won't help us out going into that report because the market is going to expect, well, that the trend has been for higher. Maybe they're going to raise it. That may hold us back. But it also sets up opportunity that, if they, if they if it's unchanged or they actually cut it just a little bit, then you're going to get a nice bounce after that report, kind of that buy the rumor, sell the fact type of, a, of an issue. Gotcha. So there could be – so January is a pretty big deal then. It's going to be either we're going to see some, some run up or some run down based on what happens in January. Yes, yes. And I, I guess best case would be, hey, it's it, a neutral report in January. Um, probably becomes like a sigh of relief. Okay. The market it didn't get any bigger. We digested it. Let's let's maybe have a little bit of a rally here. Um, you know, into the first quarter. Um, you know, outside chance, and it, and it has happened before where they've gone up and then in yields, and then the final January report they say, okay, maybe we were just a touch too high. They bring it down a bushel. That would help the process a lot as well in the corn market if they did bring it down. Even a half a bushel would help. Um, so we'll just have to see, but it could be a market mover, absolutely. Um, hopefully it's uh, a case where, all right, we've already digested the worst. Uh, it didn't get any worse, and maybe now we're a little too cheap on corn and we can rally a little bit. Well, I think that pretty well wraps it up here. Um, Chip, where can they find you at on Internet and social media? Yeah, well, we're, we're all over. We don't post a whole lot. Uh, obviously, we've got a website. Um, it's uh, 
www.blueReefinc.com. Um, we are on Twitter, uh, Blue Reef Ag. We've got a Facebook page as well. Once in a while, we'll post on uh, on Twitter, particularly if there's uh, some market moving news or a government report out, something like that. And then, uh, you know, we're always open to questions as well. You can you can call us uh, here at our office at three zero nine. Five five zero seven two one three. If you ever have any questions, yeah. Well, Chip, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. I hope everybody has a, a good Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, hopefully, uh, most of the worst of the low prices are uh, behind us here. Yep. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope eighteen goes a little different than seventeen did. That's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Chip for being guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and present episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, we'll have guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can review... Write a review and subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can shop Amazon by using the Amazon click-through. You'll have the same experience that you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast at the same time. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.